Hello everybody, welcome back to the Bitter Lemons podcast. It's just little old me again, Gemma, as Sue is still away in Sri Lanka, having a grand old time. <coughs> um, I'm just, end up falling down. Um, yeah, so, it's a little tiny bit more boring when it's just me, <laughs> but what can you do? Um... Yeah, so some of the things I want to talk about today is um, Trump. Yay! Donald Trump is in England and the Queen has blown up the um, spare spare mattress. She's ro- <laughs> rolled out the, um, the blow-up double bed and put him and Melania in the spare room. And I think she's loving it, don't you? I know we are. Yeah, we love the old Trumpster. Um, I'm always shocked that... I'm still in shock that he's the president of America, to be honest. Um, I think we all are still in shock. But to see him running around with uh, the Queen in the palace is... It's like a psychedelic um, acid trip, you know, gone wrong. Um, but there he is. I was actually surprised there wasn't more protesters today. I know there's going to be a huge um, protest tomorrow, um, which I'm quite jealous of, actually, because when I, I used to live in London, um, I used to live in uh, South London, in Brixton and Peckham and places like that. And uh, back then, I was in my 20s. I was fit and healthy, wild. Um, I was a punk squatter. I was a, you know, a protester and used to go to the rallies and stuff. And um, yeah, so if I'd have been living in London um, and Trump had come, I would definitely be one of the people down um, in Trafalgar Square and the centre protesting him. Um, Yeah, it's just incredible, isn't it? Uh, I don't. I don't even get shocked anymore. Like um, when he first got into power, I went mad. Um, you know, I I tried everything. I mean, I was bed bedridden at the time with my illness, but um, so I did all my protesting online. I um, I had a political blog, um, and yeah, we had a lot of writers from around the world, and you know, we did what we could. We spread the message as much as we could that. You know, there is hatred for for LGBT, for, you know, any other race that wasn't white. <laughs> we tried to, um, you know, we tried to protest as much as we could. But, um, yeah, it's just nuts. I actually, when Brexit happened, when the vote came in, and when Donald Trump got into power, I was in such shock. I mean, it, it totally shocked me. And I think... Like, it shocked everybody, obviously, I'm not the only one. Um, And if you're kind of, you know, whether you're, if you're gay or, you know, if you're from an ethnic minority or um, even if you're just a woman, (laughs) um, even if you're just, you know, a man that thinks he's a complete and utter fucking knobhead, um, I think everybody was just horrified um, for what he's, you know, what he stood for. And, um, yeah, I, 
I was actually so shocked and upset. Uh, at the time, I was um, in talks with a friend of mine from Mexico. So I used to live in Mexico for a few years, uh, for a while. And um, I became like very, very good friends with this guy. And we had planned to have a child together, you know, like co-parenting as friends. And um, when Brexit happened and then Trump got into power, I was so scared of what was happening to kind of the Western world, uh, you know, the world in which, the, the society in which I lived in. Um, I actually contemplated not having a child. I actually thought, do I want to bring, you know, a half Mexican, like with with a lesbian mother, <laughs> uh, a lesbian disabled. I'm lesbian. I'm disabled. My family are Jewish, you know. Um, and my partner, who had the, who was going to have a child with me, would be is Mexican. And I just thought, what kind of a world would I bring my child into? You know, like would they be able to? What would what was happening, you know, it was almost like the 1930s, um, you know, it was like, I felt like, you know, kind of, um, the alt-right and the Nazism was coming back, you know, and yeah, for a while I genuinely contemplated not having a child, but purely based on the fear, I didn't know what was happening to the world, you know, and, um, it was funny, I was chatting to a friend of mine, a neighbour, and she's very, very, she's awesome, she's very political, she's very, um, you know, she fights for people's rights and she has a fantastic um, personality and mentality. And she just looked at me and she said, Gemma, you need to have a child. Like, it, more than ever now, we need people like you having children because, you know, if if people stop having children, because of the racism and the homophobia and the, you know, the xenophobia and the um, just the the prejudice that that, that, that kind of the alt right and, the, and these types of people and Trump is empowering, she said, um, you know, actually it, we need we need people to be to be having children, <clears throat> sorry, to be having children that are, you know. It, that are liberal and that are from parents like like who are disabled and who are gay and you know who aren't all white and things like that. You know more than ever. You know, um, you know a, a kind of a half Mexican disabled lesbian mother. It's now more than ever that um, we need um, you know, to be having children. So it was a. It was good. It was a good thing to say to me. It was an interesting perspective, and uh, I totally understood what she meant. And um, yeah, so I'm still hoping on having a having a kid. I've had a few bumps in the road with that, but um, actually, what happened was um, so this guy, um, his name's Dario, and uh, so we we I I used to live in Mexico in the jungle. And uh, in in Jalapa, like a, a little a little town, but I also lived out in the jungle in the cloud forest. And I was doing wildlife conservation, and um, you know met this guy, and we just instantly clicked. It was almost like we were separated at birth, you know. Even though he's Mexican, it was crazy. And um, I got, you know, we be I ended up moving in with him, and we became very close. And then I got really really sick. Um, which is when my disability started, to my illness started to happen. And uh, he looked after me and he was wonderful. Anyway, 
I came back to England because I needed, I needed, um, you know, to go to the hospital and healthcare. I was so sick. And um, a few years later, um, I kind of when I, I decided I really, really wanted a baby. Um, I thought there's only one man really in my life that I love enough, and I kind of not just respect, but you know, to have a child. I want my child to look up to my to look up to their father and to to think that they're cool and love them and, you know, and to kind of, what's the word, not put them on the pedestal, but I want them to be proud of their father. That was it. I wanted them to be proud. And um, initially I was going to just, you know, get a sperm donor. But my partner at the time was like, well, look, when that kid gets to an age of, say, you know, when they're about like six or seven or eight or ten, um, she said, wouldn't it be nice that when they ask who their father is, that you could turn around and, you know, they, they knew who they were and even if they didn't get to see, even if they just got to know who their father was a little bit, it would be nicer for them to know where their roots come from, if it's possible. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with not having a father or having a sperm donation. Like, you know, the way I see it is families are complicated. You know, it's not like, here's a mum, here's a dad. You know, that's how you grow up. That's unrealistic. You know, you have families where you know, the mother's not around or she dies, the father's not around, you have adopted children, you have people who the grandparents end up looking after them, you know, the, the sisters. You know, families and love come from all kinds of places and, and people. Um, and I don't, me personally, I don't think that if you grow up love, being loved by, either, you know, whether it's your grandparents or if you're adopted, like, you're, you're brought up and you're loved. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter how you're brought up as long as you're loved and it's you know and you're, and you're brought up you know with with respect and love um but in saying that like if I had the opportunity to to let my child know who their father was and also for them to see them you know and for them to grow up knowing their father and and you know being proud of their father and loving their father obviously if I have that choice I'd rather I'd rather be able to give them that rather than just saying, "Oh, I don't know." You know, they came out of a, um, a donation, um, and it was actually my partner at the time that that you know made me. She she suggested this. You know, why not have it with a friend? Um, and that way, you know, the child, you know, is, then has got has got that that option and that potential to to know their father and love them. And I thought, you know what, it's actually a really nice, it's a, it's a really nice, you know, um, not idea, but concept, but, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. So, I yeah, I thought, yeah, she's she's actually right. If I've got the opportunity, um, and I should do that. So um, I contacted Dario, and I didn't in a, in a million years actually think that he would, you know, agree and want to have a child with me. I, I wasn't sure how he'd... But I just, I just knew he was that one, that one person in my life, that one man that I would have liked to have had a child with, if you know what I mean. Because um, I, you know, I loved him. So contacted him, and because Dario is so similar to me, um, we have such similar kind of outlooks on life um, that he totally got it. You know, I, I, I. I I didn't like pressure him. I just said, look, this is just something I want to do and have a think about it. And straight away he was like, I totally would love to give you a child. I would, 
I would love to have a child with you. Um, I totally understand where you're coming from, why you want to do it. And more than anything in the world, I would love to give you that, to, to have a child with you. And I would love to, I would love to do it. And yeah, he just, he totally got it. Um, so the idea was he was going to come to England because I'm, I'm disabled. So it's a little bit too awkward for me to get out to Mexico. Um, I mean, I could, but it, it's just very awkward. Um, so he was going to come to England um, and then he was going to, um, on a tourist visa, um, and then he was going to, you know, we were going to try for a baby and then he was going to stay for some months um, and then he was going to go back because he was in the middle of doing uh, a master's degree. Um, he's a he's an archaeologist, he's a, a lecturer in a university and he's a, and all that. So, I mean, he's got his own properties and things. He's, you know, he has a good life in Mexico. Um, so he, yeah, so that was the plan. So he, he comes to England, right? And he gets to the, um, the airport in Liverpool, I think it was. Um, and, uh, I'd, I think I'd written a letter to explain, you know, um, he's just coming here as a tourist. He's going to, I'm going to put him up in my house. Um, he had a little bit of savings, but not a lot, but I was going to pay for his food. You know, and he was just going to basically stay with me. I was going to show him around Liverpool and um, stay in my house for a few months. And that was it. It was nothing major. But they stopped him at the airport and um, they held him for 16 hours in a, in a detention centre. And they were 100% convinced that he was going to try and live here illegally and work here illegally. Like, they were convinced. Um and it was awful. I mean, what that poor guy went through, and you know, I'm, I, I'm there, in my, I'm there in my wheelchair, and I go through to the, to you know, to the visa, and I'm, I said, look, I was on the phone to them. They wouldn't let me through to see him, and I said, look, let me come and see, let me come and see the, um, you know, the, the people that were saying this stuff about. Him. I said, let me, you know, talk, talk, and they were like saying. Um, no, you can't come through. Um, he's you're going to. He's coming here to work here illegally and and all this. And uh, you can't convince us otherwise. And I said, look, what the hell are you talking about? I said, the guy owns three houses in Mexico. He lives in one of them and he rents out the other two. So he's got an income of his own. He's a lecturer in a university and he. Um, is currently in the middle of doing his master's degree. He he asked them specifically if he could take a few months off from teaching and studying to come here. Like he had to, it was a big deal. He had to take time, you know, he had to get permission. I said, why? He's not, like, why would he come and live here and work here illegally if he's already got, home, you know, an income and homes and a job? Like, it doesn't make sense. It, it's crazy. Um but no, they wouldn't believe me. And I, I ended up, I tried to get lawyers. It was insane. Um, I said, look, the guy looked, I said, when I lived in, I said, they said, how do you know him then? How do you know him? I said, I've known him for five years. I worked in Mexico. I lived in Mexico. We worked in the same conservation, wildlife conservation charity. Um, and I got really sick and he looked after me. And I said to him, if he ever wanted to come to England, because he looked after me when I was sick and he, you know, he, I couldn't work. He, he had to, you know, pay for my food, help me in the hospital. He looked after me completely, you know, when I was really in a bad way. I was bedridden. 
And I said, look, I always said to him, if you ever wanted to come to England, that I would do the same. I'd, you know, I'd pay him back. I'd, I'd, I'd put him up and, you know, and pay for his food and everything. But no, nah, they just were awful. In in the end, because I, I was fuming, it was it was so racist what they were doing to him, because basically he's from a third world country. So the way they see it is, why you know he he must be coming to England to work here illegally it was it was absolutely nuts and I was absolutely fuming and in the in the end I just kept saying look I'm going to get lawyers you know this is ridiculous this is an outrage and in the end they allowed him to stay for 10 days in the country because I was because I just wouldn't let up I would not let up you know so yeah they, they allowed him to stay in the country for 10 days but then he had to go back and they said if he if he overstayed even by a day whatever, he'd be banned permanently from the country. It, it was absolutely ri- ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, so and when it, when he finally came through the gates, you know, the poor guy had been in that detention centre. Oh, God, no, nothing to eat, you know. And I just, I said to him, oh, God, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm so sorry. And, and that was when, this was like a few months after Trump had got into power. You know, this was like all when the Trump stuff was, oh and Brexit and everything, and they're just so racist down at the um, immigration. Because, you know, he had a tourist visa. He'd never been to England before. He'd travelled around, all around Europe when he was younger. Um, but the guy the guy was well-travelled, you know. He wasn't a typical... Mexicans usually from where the area that he was from had never even left their village, let alone travelled around Europe. But he was a really well-travelled guy. He'd been to Italy, Spain... Paris, you know, he was travelled, and um, yeah, so it wasn't like this was a one-off thing he saved, you know, saved up to go to. Yeah, but the, the poor guy. Anyway, so he stayed for ten days, and you know, we did try, we did, but I mean, it was really sad because what the long-term plan was that he that we would try for a baby, and if we did, if we were successful, he was gonna, you know, fly back to England. Um, every six months and see the child, live with the child for a few, maybe, maybe even get like a, you know, a, he could, because his, his archaeology studies, he could have done some of the studies in, in England. That's what his, his um, you know, his university told him. They said um, that they could find archaeology sites in England for him and maybe he could take like, a, you know, three-month sabbatical and here and there. So the plan was to try for a baby, and then if we were successful, he could come and work in England doing um, archaeology um, for like perhaps maybe like six months, a year, whatever. And that way, the child, you know, our child could see their father. And he didn't want to, you know, move to England because like he had a, you know, he had a, he had a life in Mexico, and he had, you know, it, you know, his house, his job, and everything. And I understood that, and I was, I, I, I wanted him to stay in Mexico as well. I understood why, um, but yeah, but they were they treated him like shit, and um, yeah, we tried to we tried for a baby, but we only had ten days, <laughs> so it was just crazy. And then obviously I had to go back, and since then we just haven't, because I'm terrified for him to try again to come back, you know, after after what they did to him. But yeah, this is the world that we live in, you know. It's just, it's crazy. It's sad. Um, it's it, actually it's just so sad that you know we're not free. <laughs> you know you can't just um, you can't just 
I mean, if you're white and you're British, well, not just if you're white, actually, if, you, if you're British, you can pretty much go to any country in the world and they just automatically let you in on a tourist visa because I've done it, you know, I've been all over the world and as soon as they see my passport, as soon as they hear my accent, I, I get let in anywhere because it's like, you know, you're from a first world country, you must have money, you know, and all this stuff. But I have friends from all around the world because I've, I've travelled a fair bit and you know, when if they're from a third world country, the difficulties they have in traveling to other countries is insane. You know, they, the amount of friends I've had that have been detained in immigration centers. And I'm talking about people, people who are like, you know, who have really, really good careers. You know, they're not, I mean, not that I'm saying that if you're, if you're, you know, if, you, if you're a cleaner or something, you can't travel, that's also wrong. But it's, it's like, you know, that the excuse they're using is that you haven't got enough money to sustain yourself in, you know, whichever country you're visiting. But that doesn't make sense if, you know, you've got a very good career in the country you're from, you've got money. So that, why would you, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, you know. You wouldn't work illegally as a cleaner when you're a, you know, whatever, you're some high-flying exec executive in Africa or something. But yeah, it's, it's blatant racism. It's complete and utter blatant xenophobia and racism. That's what it is. Um, and, yeah, like, um, don't even get me started. Like, I was married to a South African woman. And, Jesus, the problems we had with visas were unreal. I'm not even going to go into it because it would just take too long. But, um, yeah, it was sad because I would have loved to have had a child with Dario. But thanks to the visa immigration system... I'm not allowed to have a friend from Mexico come visit me because he's got brown skin and he's poor, <laughs> apparently, because he's Mexican. Yeah, the bastards. Anyway, who has been watching Gentleman Jack? <laughs> Just to completely change the um, subject. Um, yeah, it's on BBC and it's called Gentleman Jack. And if you've not, um, I'm sure you will have seen it if you're a lesbian. Um, it's the story of Anne Lister, the Yorkshire, uh, the Yorkshire, um, what do you call it? She was like a rich, um, owner of a big famous hall in Yorkshire. Um, and I knew, I knew about her story. I'm, I'm from Yorkshire myself, so I've known about her story for years. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's a good TV show. I, f I find everything very, I find the music fucking jaunty, like jaunty as fuck. <laughs> I love the music and um, I love the, you know, the the kind of the the, the ambience. It, it's fun. It's, it's cool. But uh, I, I, I don't know about Saran Jones, you know, like I thought she'd be amazing at it. And I know there's a lot of fans of hers um, on Twitter and that everybody's saying Saran Jones is so sexy in that role. But I don't know, man. I don't know, she, like, when I first saw the first bit, the trailer, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, Saran Jones, because she, you know, she's a very sexy woman, and she's cool and everything, but, um, and I think she's northern, right, she must be northern, um, which I love, you know, gotta be northern, really, haven't you, um, but, like, I don't know, when I see her, when I saw her kissing the, the woman, it, 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 for me, personally, nah, I, I, it wasn't a turn-on, like, she, she just isn't lesbian, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know, I didn't, I wasn't, I was like, 
uh, the sexual chemistry between them two when they were kissing and doing stuff. Um, maybe it's just me. She just doesn't float my boat, but I didn't feel it. I didn't. I I almost feel now like it it could have been cast better. That there could have been somebody more. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just feel like there's something missing. That she's just not quite dikey. I can't explain it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, I'm loving it. You know, I am. I'm enjoying watching it. But I, this, I don't find the sexual, the sexual chemistry, um, is there. You know, but then it got me thinking about um, lesbian TV, especially in the UK, and like, what the fuck, man? What the fuck happened? You know, like we had what the L word, and then which was you know that was good. That was amazing, and then after the L word. I thought that there was going to be this flood of queer, lesbian, LGBT TV. And, okay, yeah, we had Banana. That was quite good. We've had a few things here and there. But, you know, where's the flood of amazing lesbian TV? And and when you think about it, the media, especially in England, is run by gays. <laughs> I have a few friends at work in the BBC and ITV and things. And, um, you know, media is run by the gays. The gays are behind all the TV shows. So, you know, where's all the writers? Like, where are the lesbian TV shows? Like, what was that when we had lip service? I mean, what the fuck was that, you know? It was shit. Um, and it's, the funny thing is we're so desperate now for lesbian TV that even if we see just one, like, like lip service, we think it's amazing because we don't have anything else, you know? Like, as lesbians, we don't have good lesbian TV. Um... And it's just shit. I mean, okay, what did we have? We had banana and that cucumber and that thing. And, like, okay, Black Mirror had some really good um, lesbian stuff in it. Um, but, and it's nice that we're having lesbian stuff kind of just, it's just normal now to see it in, in soap operas and things like Black Mirror. And, and that is good. But why can't we have, like, I want, like, this is what I've been kind of dreaming about for years right and sometimes I I actually started write, writing a script right I want like a queer as folk but that's just about lesbians because I talk about this a lot with my with my um my, my lesbian friends right lesbian drama is insane and we all know this right even if you're straight and you have lesbian friends, you must have heard of lesbian drama. It, it's nuts, you know? Two women, PMT, hormones, you get them together, and they're having sex, and there's passion, and the, oh, and the fireworks are insane. Um, you know, so lesbians generally have so much drama going on in their lives. Like, you know, I can tell you stories that would make your hairs cut, like, just shocking stuff. That, like, even just me, some of the things that's happened with me and my you know, my, my ex-partners and things like my ex-wife, stuff happened that when I've told people what happened, for example, with my wife, they didn't believe me. <laughs> they were like, if you wrote that into a movie, it it wouldn't be believed. It was that crazy. Um, so why not write a script? You know, why isn't this being put on TV, you know? Fucking hell, like, lesbian drama is, is incredible. And I, I want there to be more lesbian TV shows. There fucking should be, you know? It should be... It should be awesome ones and um yeah I, I often I often think about like you know a queer as folk like an English British um 
kind of like L word basically or queerest folk but that's that's about lesbians. It doesn't have to all be lesbians, obviously it can be fucking, you know, queers, fucking bisexuals, trans, gay men, you know, I'm not I'm not saying but why can't the centrifuge, you know, like the main character be lesbian? Why not, you know? Um I don't know. I did I did actually end it I started writing a script um when I was in my twenties. Uh, what was it called? I think it was called Life's a Drag. Yeah, because um, I used to live with five drag queens in in the, in the Liverpool um, when I was 21. And uh, the things that went on when I lived with these, in this flat with these drag queens were completely insane. Um, and the guy who owned the flat was uh, a very uh, kind of well-known um, uh, drag, king, uh, drag queen as well. Um, he was, um, he actually owned... Superstar Boudoir. He was the manager of that, um, which is a big, famous um, drag club in Liverpool. Um, unfortunately, he's died now. Um, his funeral was amazing. They had like a horse-drawn car and everything. Uh, and he was a really, really famous character, like infamous character in Liverpool. And he owned our flat, and so he let us just do whatever we wanted. <laughs> and my God, did we do whatever we wanted? It was crazy. And like some of the stuff that went on, I thought. If, if if people wrote this into a TV show, like, it would be so shocking that I don't... And, and it was funny. A lot of it was funny as well. Um, that a lot of people wouldn't believe. they think it was a fiction, you know, that I'd made it up. But it, it really went on, like, crazy stuff. And I don't see a lot of that on TV, you know, those kind of dramas, like, where there could be such cool queer dramas, you know. Um I find them a little bit like namby-pamby, kind of oh, wishy-washy, oh, yeah, and then this happened. It's like, that's not fucking real life, man. Like, you hang out with enough fucking queer people and, you know, the stories would make you cry with laughter and shock to your jaw. <laughs> Especially, like, when, you know, like, youngsters, like, people in the, like, queers in their 20s, in their teen teenage 20s, and, and also some really sad stuff as well, like, when when I lived with these drag queens, um, we took in quite a lot of teenage uh, boys because they were kicked out of their home for being gay. And, you know, then they got into drugs and, and, I mean, you know, luckily a lot of them are fine now. They've all, you know, they've all come off the drugs and that. But there was a lot of sad stuff as well. And the reason that a lot of, you know, the gay people and, and my friends and that, a lot, the, a lot of the time, the reason that we got so badly into drugs in our 20s... Um, was because of, you know, the fact that, you know, our families, you know, the homophobia and not being accepted and mental health issues, all kinds of reasons. Um, and, yeah, so it was fun, but a lot of it came from sadness, you know, a lot of... that, And that people forget that, you know, like, I was watching a TV show the other day and... Um, it was about, it was like, it, I was really bored and it was daytime TV. It was one of them police interceptors things, you know? And um, there was a guy and he was wasted drunk and he got done for drunk driving. And these police were just, you know, going at him, really going at him. And do you know what? And, and, and the, the narrator of the TV show was saying, this, this evil man, drink driving, how you... And yeah, it was wrong. Obviously it's wrong. But I looked at this guy... And do you know what? He looked so sad. 
And what they're not, what they don't realise is they don't know the backstory to that. They don't know that his son could have just died, or his wife could have just left him, or he could have been abused his whole life, you know? Like, I'm not advocating alcoholism or drink driving or anything like that, but instead of just, like, taking a victim and then brutalising them and punishing them, why not, like, look at the reasons why they're doing that and why they're so sad and they can't stop drinking to escape the reality they're in, and why not try and help them, you know, rather than just throwing them in jail, and, and just, you know, just tell, like, making them out to be this evil person, it's like, nobody's truly, truly evil, everybody is the way they are for a reason, and I actually looked at this guy, and I just thought, oh my god, what has that guy been through, to, to have got into that state, like, he'd been drinking for three days, and he looked so sad, not for being caught, you know, you could see behind his eyes, he was going through something really bad, and I think, because men especially, like, especially kind of straight men from that kind of environment, they have it so much harder, because, you know, they're not allowed to talk, you know, society has taught them to be strong men, and we don't talk about our problems, and we don't cry, and I often find that's why men of, of, from that kind of a man who, you know, taught the whole life to keep in their emotions, um, they're the ones that turn to drink and drugs the most, you know, and they end up committing suicide because they can't talk about it and nobody's helping them and, yeah, anyway, it's just sad, but, all right, well, I have rambled, 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 rambled on, um, and my battery is about to die on my computer, so I have to stop now, um, I hope you enjoyed my ramble. I'm sure you didn't. If you have any comments or anything to say, just, you know, comment away and uh, let me know your thoughts. And I'd love to hear from you. Um, I was going to say, oh, yeah, so I need to do the creepy goodbye. Uh, what is it? Yeah. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>